could do it after we bring them up. Now, let's do it. So, here we are. Welcome to Freightonomics. Uh, and welcome to the Venture Freight Tech, Freight <laughs> Tech Venture, Venture. Uh, Conference here at, uh, at Freight Waves. Uh, again, focusing on venture capital investments and what's coming up, uh, especially in Freight Tech. Um, but this is the show where we dive into what's going on in the supply chain. And here in a little bit, we're going to have John Bradford of Dynamo. Uh, you know, an early stage investment fund uh, that really has, you know, done a lot of good and they've invested in a lot of freight companies, freight tech specifically, um, and, you know, over the past several years. And we're going to talk to him a little bit about what we're seeing in the supply chain and how that's evolving. You know, we've got COVID-19 that's still around for some ungodly known reason, but <laughs> it is, it's still around and the supply chain has really had a lot of changes going on with it over the past several months. And we're going to talk to him about that a little bit. But first, we want to thank our sponsor, Anthony Smith. Let's do it. Yeah, we have our amazing sponsors mm-hmm. once again with us, Amazon Freight. And thanks to our sponsor at Amazon Freight, <clears throat> who knows you need more than any other truckload service carrier. You need a partner that can help you navigate the world of logistics and plan for the future. Amazon Freight is helping shippers move their freight simply and reliably. While backed by the innovation and expertise in, in the DNA of Amazon, whether you have a few trucks or to fill a thousands to move. Amazon Freight is your partner for the road ahead. Visit freight.amazon.com to get started. Thanks so much. Yeah, well said. So Amazon obviously going to have a big role to play here in the next couple of months as they already have so far. Uh, But this show is not about that. Um, You know, we normally start the show with a little bit of stories, uh, a little story time to start the show, get things going. Uh, And, and, you know, these things are normally the the stuff that really drives the freight economy, the freight markets, uh, supply chain dynamics, uh, things like that. And one of them isn't necessarily directly connected to the freight market or anything in terms of freight tech. But Proposition 22 uh, voted, uh, you know, they basically voted uh, to allow Uber uh, drivers, you know, this gig economy workers to not be on considered full-time employees of Uber and Instacart and all these other gig type services uh, that they do. And, you know, this was unanimous. There was, it wasn't even close. It's 58%. Yeah. John Kingston wrote this article on freightways.com. Go check that out for sure. But there has been an ongoing debate about whether or not drivers, uh, you know, are part of this, you know, especially owner operators. So it's very interesting to see this evolve. You know, at least this is, you know, even though this doesn't directly impact drivers, uh, it is something that we're going to have to watch because, you know, obviously the people out there do view that there are exceptions to the rule in terms of how you view employees with companies. And this affects their benefits and their payroll, consistent salaries. It's there to help protect them, but at the same time, you want to give them enough flexibility, which this, you know, gig economy, the Uber drivers, obviously they're in this job because they want flexibility. Owner operators are in their position because they want their own flexibility. They're willing to give up. They've made this choice. Mm -hmm. And so if they're forced to be employees, they're then going to be governed. Uh, so we'll have to watch to see if this evolves any further. Uh, right now, the AB5 ruling is officially blocked, yeah. uh, you know, due to a technicality on the airline industry that they've cited. Uh, so they're not right now involved in that right now. But it is interesting this interesting to see the first step of this uh, take place in the election so far. So, Zach, this is for California, right? Yeah, California but only. I should it have has implications, that. I think, throughout the country pretty much. It could. It could obviously get applied in other areas yeah. once this, if this were to, uh, you know, go forward in, in California, then obviously it could get, it could spread. 
right. for instance. Um, the next story up, uh, COVID supply chain disruptions reinforce China plus one strategy. Eric Coolidge uh, wrote this article. And this is important for us moving forward because obviously we're about to talk about what's happening with the supply chain, who, where are the investments coming from, how are things changing technologically speaking for supply chain management. And, you know, one of the big issues right now that we're seeing is the fact that China is not a reliable sourcing, is not, is not as reliable of a source for a lot of these goods and uh, things that we have been pr bringing over over the, uh, the ocean and the sea uh, and importing. And when that happens, you know, basically that means they have to find an alternative solution. And the reason yeah. that a lot of people are using China as a sourcing is because it's very cheap labor, cheap cost of materials, cheap, cheap everything. The, the country's <laughs> infrastructure is set up for it. I yeah. mean, they, they were essentially built around being the, the lowest player in the game to mm -hmm. really facilitate and manufacture at large quantities. I think one of the big things that really comes out of this is those alternate players that might come in. Talking about a lot of Southeast Asia, Vietnam mm -hmm. might become a very significant player here soon. Yeah, and Vietnam was already like one of these growing environments. Again, the, the whole concept is, is great, you know, in, in theory, but Vietnam is a fraction of the size and right. has a fraction of the capability of China. And so it's not necessarily going to be like replace China. Yeah. It's basically this just in case China, uh, you know, we have additional tariffs and all this other stuff that's going on, obviously the COVID uh, situation uh, included. Uh, what if something happens there and our sourcing uh, options, we just need more. Right. We need more right. of them. Yeah, and, and I think in the in the article here, he even outlined South Africa, some parts of Europe, and, and other parts of Asia, mm -hmm. just to shift into there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, so our last story, uh, again, we'll get into some of these here a little bit with John, uh, but, you know, or at least these topics, is the COVID vaccine distribution, supply chain. We talked about it in the cold chain uh, conference event on our show uh, with Dr. Zach Rogers a little bit, and, um, you know, Pfizer has chosen to bypass the government uh, supply chain, basically the distribution channels for the vaccine distribution, which personally, I feel good about this. <laughs> right. Personal right. opinion. Um, I don't know all the specifics of it. I'll go ahead and say that. Uh, but definitely an interesting read uh, in terms of, you know, you've got this large distributor of this vaccine has chosen to bypass the government. And it's because they've been working with the government and this distributor. You know, they have their own in-house channel, obviously, already developed. So they feel like they have more of a control and a better, they'll have a better outcome if they have that control. Right. And real quick for all you watching at home, um, I know we're flying through some of these stories. We have to hit a, mm -hmm. a, a break here shortly. And I want to let you know that we are going to start looking and feeding into some of these questions that pop up. So keep those conversations going. And as soon as we bring on our guests here shortly, we'll also um, get some more interaction here with some of these questions that are coming in. Yeah, for sure. We only have about 30 seconds before we go to a quick break. And after this break, we will bring on John Bradford uh, to, uh, you know, dive into some of these topics. We're going to hit on some of these, uh, but we're also going to have a nice evolved uh, discussion about what we're seeing with supply chain investment, technology, this political environment, which obviously it's an election day, uh, or yesterday was an election day, but it continues into today. Uh, we're going to talk about all these things uh, coming up when we bring on John Bradford and how that is going to influence the investment environment thereafter. So everybody, please stay right where you are. We'll be right back. 
And we're back. And we are about to bring on John Bradford of Dynamo. We'll bring him on immediately here. Uh, And, you know, Anthony, this is going to be an interesting conversation, I believe. You know, we talked to John a little bit the other day uh, about some of these ongoing topics in freight tech and freight tech ventures. And obviously, he's been heavily involved in that. And, uh, you know, I think you know, it'll be interesting to hear just what we're going to do. Like after all this political stuff is kind of cleared up, a lot of disrupt. We just ran through three huge stories right. for uh, things that will impact freight uh, that are happening right now yeah. uh, in such a volatile environment. The freight market itself, obviously, extremely volatile. We track a lot of that here at Freight Waves uh, in our tender rejections and tender volumes and things like that. And we're obviously tracking a lot of other things going on right now. And the environment simply has been one that you cannot just sit back and watch. Right. You have to get actively involved. And one of the ways that you get actively involved in that is you invest in new technology. That's right. And I mean, <laughs> we're talking about some of these new investment technologies. I mean, mm-hmm. just from our first story with uh, Prop uh, 22 in California, how is this going to change some of the investment uh, strategies as we look at new freight tech entering the industry? And I'm very happy to have John Bradford here with us to kind of talk about how some of these different strategies are going to be impactful throughout times of COVID and this election cycle. Yeah, let's go ahead and bring John on. John, are you there? All right. Hi, sir. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. All the way from London, England. <laughs> how are you doing, John? England. Very good. <laughs> Very good. Uh, I've had a few more hours uh, at coffee time than you have. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, what time is I it out there? Theory, more articulate. Is it two or three, three. out there? Three. <laughs> I good. wouldn't want to tell. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you're wide awake and ready to go. So let's go ahead and dive right into our discussion today. So. You know, obviously, uh, you've been heavily involved in venture capital for the last several years and specifically around, you know, technology and freight tech and things like that. What have you noticed here over the last? Yeah. What have you noticed here over the last, uh, you know, several months? Obviously, COVID has had a huge impact to investment strategies. Have you, have you noticed anything changing specifically uh, that has been uh, related to COVID? Yeah, I mean, uh, probably a quick description of what does 2020 look like? Everybody started the start of the year bullish, and then suddenly eight weeks in, the world seemed to come to an end. Um, from a venture point of view, uh, there was a lot of um, people looking at their initially their own portfolio, trying to figure out were they well-funded, were they going to run out of runways, so there was a lot of uh, inward-lookingness uh, initially in the portfolio, which ultimately led to a really sharp slowdown in the number of deals and in, in investment capital which was being deployed, um, which you'll pick up on the numbers in Q2. What was interesting is as people shifted, A, initially from focusing on their own portfolio to two, actually suddenly being uh, thinking about investments in this little square, so to speak, as I described, versus sitting in a, a nice comfortable boardroom. That took a few, a bit of time for people to adjust to. Um, definitely have found that Q3 has picked up. And, and actually, what's, what's really interesting is not only are the numbers, if you look at Q3 uh, cumulatively in 2019 and Q3 cumulatively in 2020, actually it's about the same amount of capital which has been deployed, part one. Part two, actually, what's also interesting is 
the value of the data sizes have gone up. So that basically means, therefore, the number of deals have slightly come down, but the valuations have also gone up. So it's, it's kind of not what anybody predicted in, in early 2020 uh, as we went into lockdown. Yeah. So, you know, this late around investment cycle, why do you think that we're seeing like such an expansion in that? Why is that more, uh, why is that such a more uh, comfortable investment now? Um, I, I think, um, I mean, lots of people talk about recovery letter types. So is there a V shape or a K, a, a U shape or an M shape or whatever W shape? The one I've come across, which actually I think is more interesting, is what they call a K-shaped uh, recovery, which basically means that certain things are going to trend down and certain things are going to trend up. And there's this kind of bifurcation in in the whole market where it appears that um, there are a lot of people who are losing in this market. And clearly, if you're in the retail market, but on high street, so to speak, life is not so great, but if you're an e-com or supply chain, kind of clearly you're playing into with the, the wind on your back. So for those that are genuinely winners in a space, it narrows the number of opportunities for some of this capital to be deployed. And so therefore, actually, you're finding that those rounds are, are pretty significant. Um, you can see clearly uh, Instacart has clearly benefited massively over the last six months. And John, you just mentioned in there talking about the supply chain in particularly, have you seen a different appetite for investment within the supply chain since the onset of COVID? Um, I think my honest answer is um, for those that are out there and and benefiting from the tailwinds, which we're, we're currently uh, seeing in the market, uh, it's clearly much easier to raise money. We've seen that across our portfolio and a number of other opportunities. I also think it's actually a moment similar to what happened in 2007, 2008 with the financial crisis, which is it suddenly shone the light on the market and demonstrated the size of the opportunities which existed in it. So I actually partly see those that are in the market benefit, but I actually see uh, like a, a rejuvenation of this market and actually an increasing appetite in it. So as I regularly say, 12 months ago, nobody investment really cared for supply chain. If you talk about it today, everybody cares about it. So um, it's it, when, when you open newspapers and you can see it uh, on the front pages, then clearly it's br brought to the attention of lots of different people. Are there any specific uh, segments of the supply chain that you're seeing, you know, especially in transportation, any about anything that you're seeing out there uh, that really grabs your attention as something that people are really driving towards right now? You know, obviously, we were uh, part of that uh, venture capital day back in the day. And, um, yeah. you know, we obviously noticed really early on, Craig Fuller obviously noticed really early on, there's a thirst for information in the transportation space, especially around information, or, you know, concerning it. We obviously specialize in that now. Are there any other areas of the supply chain that you see that starting to develop and grow? Yeah, I mean, what the way I would articulate what you've described around uh, freight waves is increased visibility and transparency around supply chain. So the thing which has come out over the last six months is a lot of shippers have suddenly gone, I really don't know where things are in, in my supply chain. And so getting greater visibility 
across that, I think, has, has definitely blown up. We've seen that across the board. The other couple of areas that we would probably lean into is definitely uh, robotics uh, and micro-fulfillment, uh, nano-fulfillment centers has, has definitely blown up. Kind of that last mile um, element has definitely got really, really hot uh, over the road type things um, is, is definitely a market. And part of that's just because, and, and we've worked with a number of shippers over the last few months, that basically said the spike that they saw earlier in the year was as big, if not bigger, than they have ever encountered in their life. And so you kind of have this weird dynamic in 2020, which is we're going to have two Q4s. We sort of had a Q4 and Q2, and now we're just about to head into another Q4. Um, and, and nobody knows whether it's going to be bigger or smaller, but it's definitely putting massive strain in the market. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> There's definitely been a, you know, I don't know if we're out of the peak, <laughs> you know, by looking at the data, it looks like we kind of entered a peak and we just kind of stayed on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I think John just hit a really big point there not too long ago. I was talking about that visibility. And yep. I think that's really been the name of the game, especially with us here at FreightWaves is just getting more in, uh, visibility into the supply chain, especially with that final mile, as he just mentioned. Yeah. Final mile has been obviously a growing uh, sector of, uh, of concern over the last uh, year for sure. Um, do you see any other uh, type of changes? Maybe some of these, uh, you know, these developed companies, have they changed their investment, uh, you know, strategies here in 2020? Yeah, one of the things which has been really interesting was um, there was a meme which went around earlier in the year which described what, what is currently driving your digital innovation strategy? Is it your CEO? Is it your CTO? Is it COVID-19? And effectively, what we're seeing is where historically people and legacy organizations had on-prem solutions, suddenly when everybody's kind of forced to work from home, all of those systems don't look so smart when you're not sitting at your own desk in front of your own computer. And so what we've seen is a massive shift towards cloud compute capability um, and being able to access solutions from outside of, out of, outside of the office itself. Um, coming back to what uh, Craig was saying earlier, it's also suddenly shifted, which is when you don't have to be in the office, we're seeing a broad number of people working from other locations, which they wouldn't ordinarily have done, whether that's um, close to their home or in a family house, or they're just kind of relocated to another part of the country because it's just a much more civilized part of the world to, to, to move to. So, John, with all of these recent changes, do you see this as being a long-lasting trend, or does some of this die down with uh, with, with COVID? Uh, I think I think that's a pretty easy answer uh, to give, which is I think there'll be slightly a tail, uh, which will come off on the edge. But I think we've kind of jumped forward when it comes to innovation by about three or four years. Um, I, I In the UK, uh, you talked about some of the numbers, e-commerce, has grown from 22% of overall retail to 30 over 30% in the last six months. Now, we can see it coming back, but we recognize that it's probably only going to come back a few percentile points. And to, to recognize what that looked like as a growth, that is probably the equivalent of two or three years growth in the space of six months, which clearly puts a massive level of pressure across the whole supply chain. 
Yeah, obviously. So for sure. So we're obviously in the middle of an election here in the United States. Do you see, uh, you know, any of this changing after the election is decided in the United States? I know you're over there in in the UK and you've got your own set of issues uh, going on. But uh, in your experience, what what potentially could happen, uh, you know, as the election progresses here and we get a final answer in your opinion? I, I think you worry about your election and I'm worrying about Brexit and, and yeah. on my side of the planet. Um, so you might kind of be starting to unwind yourself into a period of certainty. I think certainty always helps. Yeah. It doesn't really matter what the outcome of what happened yesterday is, but it will provide certainty to the overall, to the market. And we can see that uh, the market's picked up this morning. Um, when kind of as, as the whole thing starts to seem to resolve itself. And the big challenge we have clearly in the UK is with Brexit is we're still in the middle of a negotiation of a trade contract with Europe um, with less than eight weeks to go. And if we don't hit those, uh, that contract, we go on to um, World Trade Organization uh, rules. And there are only two other countries in the world that do that, and one's North Korea, one's Venezuela. Not necessarily a club uh, the United <laughs> Kingdom probably want to join. Not the not the the poster children for uh, social uh, awareness there, are they? <laughs> no, and not necessarily uh, uh, naturally uh, large exporters. <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, thank you so much, John, for joining us here today uh, and your insights. We're running up on time. We're about to kick over to a fuller speed ahead. Uh, where Craig talks to the Stutter Law Firm. Stay tuned for that for sure. And John, again, thank you again for joining us all the way across the pond uh, there in the UK. And uh, thank you again for watching. Uh, Stay tuned for Fuller Speed Ahead. And Anthony, I learned a lot here today. I learned a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is amazing. I love these events. (laughs) Yeah. These are good. Not necessarily a a world that I thought that I would be in 10 years ago, but good stuff. Nonetheless, everybody stay tuned.